Hi, my name is Maria. Hi, and I'm Jennifer. And we are welcoming you to Asking Advocates, a podcast created by the Gender Equity Committee of the Cal ACLU. Many of us have been in a situation where we are confronted with pro-life arguments. Abortion is a hotly debated topic. Few people are indifferent about abortion, and people usually feel very strongly about their side. So in this episode, we want to break down some of the most common pro-life arguments and explain why they lack validity so that next time you find yourself debating abortion, you'll have all the facts, stats, and reasons to explain your pro-choice stance. Just want to start off by saying that nobody wants an abortion. Getting an abortion is an incredibly tough process for anyone who has to go through it. Liberals don't use abortion as birth control or treat the process of getting an abortion nonchalantly. But people often need abortions, and they have the right to choose what they want to do with their own body. Many women realize that they cannot raise a child or have medical conditions that make pregnancy difficult or are raped and do not want the trauma of pregnancy. One of the common arguments that pro-lifers use is that you're killing another human being when you do an abortion. So what are one of the arguments that we can use to combat that? Well, I find the most effective way to combat this argument is not to dispute that a fetus really isn't a human being, as that raises religious and other ethical obstacles that are hard to jump over. Instead, bring up bodily autonomy. If a stranger needed a kidney transplant to survive and I had a spare kidney to give up, should I legally be obligated to give up my kidney? No, of course not. Even if it could save another person's life, nobody can force me to do something with my body that I do not want to do. I mean, if that was the case, then there would be government-mandated bullet drives every month with no exception. Donating blood is an easy way to save a stranger's life, but there should not be a legal obligation to do so. This exact argument can be used for terminating pregnancies. Even if it could save a baby's life, why should a woman have to be put through nine months of personal and financial pain if it is not the same case for any of these other life-saving scenarios? That was a great explanation. Are there any other common arguments? Yeah, of course. So another argument that pro-lifers use is that fetuses are feeling pain during the abortion. Actually, research has shown that the fetus can only feel pain starting from the third trimester, which usually begins at about 27 weeks of pregnancy. So during the early stages of pregnancy, a fetus actually lacks a developed nervous system and brain to actually feel the pain, which means it's not developed enough. So a vast majority of pregnancies are actually terminated at earlier stages and not at 27 weeks when the fetus can be fully developed. And in relation to this argument, there was actually U.S. legislation that received a ton of criticism because it required that doctors warn women that the fetus can experience pain. But obviously, um, it was proven that it was a false statement and it's not supported by evidence. So as a result, this argument actually caused a lot of women to be put under distress um, due to its invalidity. That's a great point, Jennifer, especially since only 1.3 of abortions happen after 24 weeks. What about religious arguments? Right, that's a big one. A lot of religious arguments preach some version of abortions are sins because the fertilization of an embryo was a deed by God. So if you get rid of the embryo, you are undoing God's work and going against God's will. However, the pro-choice argument does not want to prevent you from practicing your religion. We respect your religious beliefs and your right of freedom of religion. Just like you have the freedom to make your own decisions, practice your religion, every woman should have the right to their beliefs and their body. You may see someone getting an abortion as a sin, but it is not your place or right to prevent them from getting that abortion. It is their body and their choice. Just like you would not accept people imposing their alternate religious beliefs on you, you cannot impose your religious beliefs on others. This is the basis of freedom of religion for all. Additionally, in America, we have a system of separation of church and state. Thus, religious regions should not and cannot affect the creation of laws. That's a great point about the separation of church and state. 
And what about the irony of pro-lifers being pro-life until birth? If you're pro-life, that means that you're pro-life for human rights, and this is regardless of someone's gender, sexuality, or race. But a lot of the times, pro-lifers aren't being supportive of resources that actually help people, and this can include welfare, healthcare, adoption, and so much more. Some specific examples of this is when undocumented immigrants are being torn from families and children are being forced into cages, which I would say is not pro-life. Another one is when people aren't supportive of Planned Parenthood providing contraceptive. Um, contraceptives are great access to low-income communities, and a lot of the times they can't afford reproductive health care. And as a result of this, if women are forced to have their children, um, they can be at risk of being put into the foster care system, which in itself is very flawed and can cause a lot of trauma for children. Um, another thing is how healthcare isn't universal and it's not affordable for certain people who have specific conditions that um, increase the cost of their medication. A specific example of this is people needing insulin monthly and not being able to afford it. Finally, another example is schools creating a system of lunch debt to children who can't even afford to buy lunch. And this just cuts programs for hungry children who want to eat and punish children for being underprivileged. So therefore, if one is to be pro-life, they should be in support of comprehensive sexual education, a more developed foster care system, and overall universal health care and human rights. The hypocrisy is real in the pro-life community. And what about anti-abortion laws that put women at risk? Reducing the number of abortion clinics will not make abortions less common. If anything, it will only make safe abortions less common. Over 13% of maternal deaths are due to unsafe abortions. If one was truly pro-life, they would advocate for safe abortion clinics to stay in operation and reduce the number of maternal deaths. Data also shows that the rate of abortions in countries where abortion is legal is almost equal to the rate of abortions in countries where abortion is illegal. With limited access to safe abortion, self-induction will become increasingly common. The medication misoprostol is a medically safe way to self-induce abortion, but it's not easily accessible in the United States. Thus, women are turning to less effective and more dangerous methods of abortion, such as taking herbs and inflicting abdominal trauma. Research also shows that carrying an unwanted pregnancy to term poses greater health risks than just getting an abortion. Contrary to claims regarding abortion putting women at risk of post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, anxiety, and drug use, over 95% of women actually report that abortion was the right decision for them. Everyone has the right to their opinion. That's why if you're pro-life, you can choose not to get an abortion. We won't force you to get an abortion. Likewise, all women have the right to do what they want with their body. If a woman wants an abortion, that is her right, her body, and her choice. Thanks for listening. I'm Maria. I'm Jennifer. Join us next time on Asking Advocates.